will be having uh, an award service that night and uh, getting some of the awards that they've earned throughout the year. And so I uh, just wanted to make mention of that. And then also, of course, I believe that's also the last night for teens as well. Is that correct? And uh, so Wednesday night will be the last night for both Master Club uh, and the teen class. All right, take your Bibles this evening, open to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and um, we're kind of going through a series and uh, dealing with our liberty in Christ, Um, but at the same time, I also, um, as we're going through this, I believe it's important that we understand uh, how to develop biblical standards as well. Uh, standards that help us live uh, the principles that we learn through the Word of God. And so uh, as we continue through this series, I hope that it will be uh, an encouragement to you. I hope you'll be able to learn uh, through it as well. Um, But last week we were in Galatians chapter 5, and we'll begin reading in verse number 13. Uh, He says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. So last week we just began kind of looking at kind of this foundation of this liberty that Paul speaks of that we have in Christ. He says, you've been called unto liberty, right? And we understand that, uh, first of all, we have liberty in Christ and salvation. He speaks about that back in verse number one of chapter five, he says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And that yoke of bondage, if you go back to chapters three and four, you'll find that yoke of bondage is referring to uh, the law and how the the law and he uses the example of uh, the law, uh, Mount Sinai, Hagar, Abraham's wife, uh, and he compares that to uh, Jerusalem, he compares it to Christ, he compares it to Sarah, uh, and the difference there, um, and one is uh, by faith, right, uh, and the other one is by trying to work, uh, and that's why uh, Abraham, you know, they said, hey, we're not going to believe God, and so Sarah says, hey, take, take Hagar, have a child through Hagar, uh, so man tried to do it their own self, God says, that's not acceptable, that's not what I said, I told you I would give you a child through Sarah, um, and then, of course, you have that whole conflict there with um, uh, Ishmael and Israel, uh, or excuse me, Isaac and, and Ishmael there. Um, and so he's, he's going through talking about this, this difference between uh, faith in Christ and the law, right? Uh, again, not that people were saved by the law because no one can be saved by the law. There's no one that's able to keep the law. Uh, again, remember in the Old Testament, they were saved by faith just like we are saved by faith today. It's faith in what God had said. Uh, The Bible says Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Uh, So in the Old Testament, they were saved by faith. In the New Testament, we're saved by faith. But the Judaizers were coming in saying, no, 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 it's not by faith in Christ. You still have to keep the law. It's not just by faith. You still need to be circumcised, and you have to keep the law, and you have to do all these different things. And so Paul is coming in saying, hold on a second. And again, if you go back to Galatians chapter 1, think about what he says in verse number 6. He says, I marvel that you were so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Right? And so he's saying, look, you've been called unto Christ by grace through faith. But then after Paul left, some others came in and tried to start teaching, no, 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 it's by works and you've got to keep the law. It's okay to believe in Jesus, but you still have to keep the law and you have to be circumcised and all these different things. And Paul's saying, wait a minute, that's, that's not the gospel at all, right? I think one of the young people quoted it tonight in, uh, in Corinthians. He says uh, that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? That's, that's the gospel message, okay? And so Paul says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. So again, think about it. There's, there's liberty. We're, we're not under sin anymore. We're not in bondage anymore to the law because Christ hath redeemed us from the law, 
Okay? And so he goes through and talks about this. And then he says again here in verse number 13, for brethren, okay, now there's liberty in salvation, right? There's liberty in salvation through Christ. We're not under bondage anymore. But now he's again talking to those who are saved. He calls them brethren. And notice what he says. Ye have been called unto liberty, right? So there's liberty in salvation, but there's also liberty in how we are to live our life. Okay? There is liberty in that, and, and this is what we're, we're looking at here. And we saw this uh, last week, how liberty, uh, the first thing we saw was liberty is not for the flesh, right? We're not to use our liberty for the flesh. And again, as we think about this, um, we understand that liberty is not the, uh, just the freedom to do whatever. Um, I don't know if they still have the graph that we used last week. Uh, is, that, is that still up there? Do you guys have that? There we go. So you have legalism on one side, right? Legalism is the law. Here's all the rules. This is what you have to do. And if you do this, somehow you're going to be able to please God. You have license on the other side that says, hey, you can just do whatever you want. There are no rules. There's, there's nothing. You can just do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. And again, we saw both of those are wrong. License is wrong. Legalism is wrong. And that's why he talks about liberty. And liberty is what is right there in the middle, right? In the middle, we have this liberty in Christ, okay? And so he talks about this liberty. Uh, again, it's not to be used for the flesh. We see that. He says, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, okay? So there's the first thing we have to understand about liberty. It's not just to be able to use for the flesh. So anybody that says, hey, you know, you people that believe in salvation by faith, uh, without works, you people that believe that you can, keep your, you can keep your salvation without losing it, that's just easy believism, and you're just trying to teach people they can go out and live however they want, then you don't understand salvation. You don't understand salvation because that's exactly the opposite of what he just said, right? He says, we have been called unto liberty, but then what does he say? Use not liberty as an occasion to the flesh. You don't have a license just to go out and do what you want. Right? We have liberty in Christ. We've been called to liberty, but not to license, not just to live however we choose, not just to do whatever we want. Okay? So we find here liberty is not for the flesh, but notice the second thing we find that he says about liberty. Okay? Liberty is to be used to serve. Notice he says, uh, but by love serve one another. So again, here's the, here's the key to liberty. Right? You ready for this? Here's the key. Under Christ... We aren't the boss. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Under Christ, we aren't the boss. Guess who is? Christ is. Christ is the one in charge. Christ is the boss. So the question is, and this is what we have to ask ourselves, and as we go through this study, we're going to come back to this question over and over and over again. (laughs) Do you love your boss? I'm not talking about at work. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, if you're talking, oh man, my boss at work. I don't know about him. Um, you know, I'm talking about spiritually, right? Do you love your boss? Do you love Jesus Christ? Okay. If you do, then understand: under Christ, we allow Him to lead, and because of our love for Him, we serve. You see, if, if legalism is it, then I'm not doing it for him. I'm trying to do it all to somehow it's, it's all about me and what I'm doing, right? If license is it, then it's all about my flesh and all about what I desire. But if it's liberty, then I'm saying, Lord, it's whatever you want. Lord, I'm going to place myself under you because I love you. And therefore, because of my love for you, I want to serve. And again, the word serve here. It means it's, it's a word that Paul uses um, many times, even how he refers to himself. It's the, it's the word it means really to serve as a slave. It means to serve as a slave. There are some times when Paul uses the word uh, of a servant or a slave to serve, and it means more like an employer, right? Somebody that's an employer. But there's sometimes when he uses the word and it refers to being just as a slave, and again, we understand, um, you know, uh, slavery in those times where it was a little bit different than here. And of course, you know, 
I'm not going to get into the whole slavery issue and things like this throughout our country and things. But he's saying we are to serve. We are to be as a slave, right? So when we look to Christ, we're saying, God, you are the one in charge. You are the one in control. So whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. A, a person that was a slave had no rights of their own. They were only able to do what their master said to do. That was it. They, that, they, they had no rights. Okay? Uh, a slave's whole purpose of life was to obey the command of his master. It doesn't matter whenever he called, wherever he sent, however, whatever he commands, they were simply to obey. So I'm going to ask the question again. Are you the boss or is he the boss? Are you the boss of your life or is he the boss? Are we serving him completely or is, do we only serve when it's convenient? And I'm afraid, unfortunately, that's many times as Christians, we just serve when it's convenient for us. We don't serve completely. We just serve when it's convenient. Okay? And, and see, here's the thing. Watch what he says in, at the end of verse number 13. But by love, serve one another. You see, we can't serve others right until we're serving him right. I can't love others until I love him right. I can't serve others until I'm serving him right. So as we serve him, then we will be serving others out of love. I think when you go through the book of Mark, uh, the whole book of Mark is a picture of Jesus as the perfect servant. He's serving. In Mark chapter 10, verse number 45, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Okay? So we're looking to Christ. He is the one in charge. Okay? We're trying to follow him and what he leads us into. Okay? Right? And so liberty, first of all, is not to be used for the flesh. Liberty is to be used to serve. But notice verse number 14 as well. He says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Right? So the fulfillment of the law here, Paul says that all the law can be summed up basically into one word. Here's that word, love. The whole law can be summed up in one word, love. Because if I love God right, I will love my neighbor right. Love is the key. If my love for Christ is right, then my love for everyone else will be right. If your love for Christ is right, your love for your spouse will be right. If your love for Christ is right, your love for your children will be right. Young people, if your love for Christ is right, your love for your parents and wanting to honor them and obey them, that will be right as well. The reason why we want to rebel and everything is because we have a problem with loving Christ. We want to do it our way. We don't want to follow mom and dad's way, even though it's God's way. We want to do it what we want. Why? Because our love for Christ isn't right. Because if we love Christ, we know that Christ says, hey, we're supposed to honor our parents. We're supposed to obey them. Wouldn't be a problem if we, our love for Christ is right, right? Our love for others, our neighbors, wouldn't be a problem if our love for Christ is right, right? Your love for your real physical boss, <laughs> okay? Should we just not go there tonight? Just stay away from that part, right? Employ, you know, and relationships there. No, no, no. No, if our love for Christ is right, our love for those people will be right well. The people that we work with, uh, whether we are the boss or and we have people over us or we have people under us, hey, our love for them will be right if our love for Christ is right. To love one's neighbor as oneself means that the whole legal code could be absolutely abolished. You understand that? If we loved God right and we loved our neighbor right, do you understand there would be no need for laws? No need for laws. You don't have to have a law that says don't steal. Why? Because you're not going to steal from your neighbor. You love them. Why? Because you love Christ. You're not going to have to have a law uh, uh, about these different things. Why? Because if our love for Christ is right, 
our love for others will be right, and the whole law can be abolished. This is why he says here, for the, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even than this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Think about it. Love doesn't commit murder, doesn't steal, doesn't covet, doesn't lie. Love transforms the law's negatives into life's positives. Because now there's no need for the law. If my love for Christ is right, then it will be right for others. Again, who needs the law when there is love? Why do we have the law? And we're going to get into this a little bit later as well. The reason why we have the law is because we don't love. That's why we have the law. Because we don't love. You say, well, they don't love. No, let's just, it's, it's all of us. We all need the law. Because our love for God is not right. And, and Paul gives an example of what love is not, right? Notice what he says in verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Again, you've got, you've got the positive, which is love. And if you have love, then you're not going to need all these laws. But then you have the negative. If you don't have love, guess what you're going to have? You're going to have criticism. You're going to have slander. You're going to have gossip. People are going to be taking advantage of. You're going to have lying. You're going to have murder. You're going to have stealing. You're going to have covenant. You're going to have all these different things. Why? Because there is no love. So by doing these things, it only leads to self-destruction. And this is what he's saying. If ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. So Satan had used these Judaizers to infiltrate the church and cause division in the church. And saying it's, salvation is not just by faith in Christ, but it's now you've got to keep the law. Right? What were they doing? They were trying to implement all of these rules again. All these rules. Okay? And again, hold, hold your place here in, uh, in Galatians chapter 6. And go back with me to Acts chapter 15 real quick. In Acts chapter 15, notice what we find. Verse number 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren, said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses. And what are those next four words? Ye cannot be saved. Now, who are they telling this to? Well, Paul has just told us who they're telling this to. Who did he say they're telling this to? Brethren. So Paul is talking about people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. He's talking about the brethren. He says, certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren, taught the believers. And these, Ju- these people that came from Judea said, except ye be circumcised. If you don't keep the law, if you're not circumcised, and if you don't follow the law, and they were very clear in what they said, ye cannot be saved. It's pretty clear. Well, that caused some confusion. Because... Paul is preaching salvation is by grace. Peter is preaching salvation is by grace, not the law. So when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem under the apostles and elders about this question. So they're like, wait a minute, is it the law or are we free in Christ? Is it legalism or is it liberty? What is, the, what is the answer? And so they decided to go back to the Jerusalem, go back to the apostles. And so they go back, and uh, in verse number 5, there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. Now watch. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, Ye know that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So he's like, hey, you guys know the Gentiles can be saved, right? The Gentiles can be saved. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by, what is that next word? Faith. Peter said the Gentiles and Jews are saved the exact same way. By faith. But yet one had the law, one did not have the law, but yet God saved both of them by faith. But the one that had the law is saying, hey, you've got to keep the law in order to be saved. Peter said, whoa, wait a second. That's not what God said. They are saved by faith. 
Verse number 10. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God? Now, watch what he says here. This is very, very powerful what Peter says. To put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. What's he saying? By going back to legalism, by going back to the law, he says, you're trying to put a yoke upon them that our fathers could never even do it. Our fathers could, and we couldn't do it. And now you're trying to say that now these Gentiles have to do it as well? Our fathers couldn't do it, we couldn't do it, but now we're saying they have to do it? He says, no, 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 no. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence, gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them, right? And so he continues on. And then finally, we go down and we find um, uh, James. He said, wherefore, in verse number 19, my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollution of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabbas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. They said, hey, what's, so what's the deal with this? And they said, wait a minute, no, 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 it's not about the law, it's not about circumcision, it's not about legalism, we're not trying to take people who have liberty in Christ, who are saved by faith, and then take them back and put them under legalism. That's not, it's not biblical, it's not right. But again, at the same time, he's not saying that they are free just to do whatever they want to do. Our liberty in Christ means we are free to follow Christ as he leads Okay? And again, we, we talked about this last, last week, right? As we follow Christ, okay, there are boundaries that God sets. There are boundaries that God sets. But within those boundaries, there is freedom. I, was, uh, I must have uh, really offended some people last week um, because several came up to the service and said, well, I don't drive a Ford, Chevy, Honda, or Toyota. Um, I drive a whatever it was, right? But, but I used the illustration last week. Some of you drive a Ford. Some of you drive a Chevy. Some of you drive a Toyota, a Honda, a Buick. Uh, what else we got out there? Dodge. Yes, that was the one. Sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah. I see. I'm, you just, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but yet, now wait a minute. Every one of us are free to drive whatever vehicle we choose, but we are free to pick whatever vehicle and drive whatever vehicle as long as we stay within the boundary of the law, right? Again, you can drive a Ford, you can drive a Honda, you can drive a Toyota, you can drive a Dodge, whatever, but you are not free to go down 127, 150 miles an hour. You're not free to do that. So are you back in bondage? No, you're not back in bondage. You're free as long as you stay within the bounds of the law that is there. You have complete freedom. And in Christ, this is what he's saying, in Christ, we have liberty in Christ. There is freedom in Christ for us to stay within the bounds. And yet there can be diversity. There can be difference. That's that's not a problem. Okay, And we're going to see that as we go through this. But what Paul is saying here is, look, we have this liberty, but we're not using it for uh, uh, license. We're not using it for legalism. We're going to use it to serve the Lord. We want to use this liberty to serve the Lord. And as we serve the Lord, we're going to be serving others. Okay. So let's kind of get into um, kind of the uh, segueing into this. And this is, this is where we're going to be for uh, really for quite a while. And that is developing uh, what we would call biblical standards. Okay, developing biblical standards. Okay, so let's let's ask a few questions. Right, what is a standard? If we think about in the Bible, right, not what we would describe the English word right now today, but we think about a Bible. In the Bible, what is the what does the word standard mean? Does anybody know in the Bible? Right, we do find the word standard, but what does that mean in the Bible? Does anybody know? Whenever you find the word standard, what it meant in the Bible? Anybody? Joel? Flag. A flag. Go with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 1. 
in Numbers chapter 1. In Numbers chapter 1, as God is telling the children of Israel how they are to camp around the tabernacle, right? So the tabernacle was going to be in the middle, and then God said there's going to be three tribes that are going to camp on the north side of it. There's going to be three tribes that camp on the south side of it. There's going to be three tribes that camp on the east side of it, and three tribes that camp uh, camp on the west side of it, right? So he's telling them how they're going to camp around the tabernacle, and then watch what it says in verse 52. And the children of Israel shall pitch their tents, every man by his own camp, and every man by his own standard throughout their hosts, right? So the, the word standard here was simply a standard was a staff, basically a piece of wood or rod or something that had a banner attached to it, okay? Now, what was the purpose of this standard? Because every, uh, every uh, tribe had a specific standard, right? Every tribe had a standard. Every tribe had a flag that they would put out in front. What was the purpose of the standard? What? Identity. It was for identification, right? This, each one of them had a different flag, and the purpose was, so hey, if you're in the camp, you're like, hey, uh, where's the tribe of Judah? Oh, there's their flag over there. That's where I need to go, right? Uh, or hey, there's the tribe of Reuben over there. There's their flag. I need to go over that way, right? So the purpose of the, f- the flag, the standard, was for identification. It was to identify which tribe was camped in which area. Now, there's also a, another word that we use with the word standard, and this would be kind of what um, that we would mo- have an idea more of today, and that means the word standard would have be an established rule or a measurement, right? There is an established measurement, okay? How many ounces are in a pound? Well, what if you want 18? Doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter if you want 18 ounces in a pound. 16 ounces is a pound. That is the standard of measurement, right? That's, it's, again, it's identification. When you see that something says one pound, you're identifying in your mind that's 16 ounces, right? If something is, uh, you know, if something is uh, uh, three yards, how many feet is that? 21. No, no, no. If something is three yards, nine, right? Uh, if something is uh, three feet, how many inches is that? 36. Now, see how easy it is for us to quote off these things? Why? Because the standard tells us what it is, right? The standard, it, there's a rule there. There's a measurement there. Okay, and that measurement there, that rule there is not only for identification, but guess what else it's there for? It's for protection. Because when you go to the store and you buy a pound of sugar, or maybe they sell it in five pounds or 20 pounds, if you go to Costco, right, uh, you can get a 20 pound bag of sugar. I don't know what you need all that sugar for, but uh, you know, you can buy it, but you know, hey, this is, the, this is what it is. And if you find out, if somehow somebody finds out and says, hey, they're selling a pound for the same price as everybody else, but the problem is after you went and measured it, you only found that it was 14 ounces. What's going to happen to those people that are selling that pound at 14 ounces? They're going to be put out of business. Right? Somebody's going to call the state and they're going to say, hey, there's a business here that's selling inaccurate products. They're saying it's a pound. It's only 14 ounces. They're going to have fines. They're going to have all kinds of things. Something. Why, why is that standard there? It's for our protection so that you know when you're buying a pound, that pound is going to be 16 ounces. If you're buying 10 feet, if you're buying a 10-foot board, hey, you know it's going to be, hopefully, 10 feet, right? I still haven't figured out the, the board system here in America. A two by four is not two, two inches by four inches. Somebody's cheating on this, right? I'm telling you, okay? It's, it's standard. 
right? But the standard is there so everybody knows what it is, okay? So when we think of biblical standards, and again, I mentioned this last week, a biblical standard is a rule, right, measurement, a rule that I impose upon myself to help me keep my convictions, right? It's something that I'm saying, I'm planting a flag basically and saying, hey, this is my standard. I'm doing this because I'm trying to keep these convictions that I believe God has led me to, okay? And so a standard, when we think about a biblical standard, it is a rule that I impose on myself, not imposing on other people, but I'm imposing it on myself to help me keep my convictions, okay? Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 14. Okay, Romans chapter 14, notice in verse number 1. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Now watch what he says. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. Let him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. So he's giving this example. There are two people here. One person says, I'm not going to eat meat. I'm only going to eat herbs, right? I'm not going to eat meat. Another person says, hey, I don't see any problem with eating meat, okay? Two different people, two different standards, right? One says, I'm not going to eat meat. One says, let's have a barbecue. Which one is wrong? Neither are wrong. Why? Because they are both within the bound of the law. They're both within the boundary. One person can say, well, I'm not going to eat meat. The other person can say, well, I'm going to eat meat. And they are both absolutely right. Neither one is wrong. Okay? He continues, right? Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. So again, he's saying, look, you will have to answer for yourself. You don't have to answer for anybody else other than yourself. That's why these biblical standards are rules that I impose upon myself to help me keep the convictions that I believe God has led me to. Okay? So again, some person can say, well, hey, I'm just, I, have come to the, I have come to the conviction that I'm not going to eat meat. Okay. Not a problem there. Is there anywhere in the Bible that it says it's a sin not to eat meat? That's a question. No, right? There's nowhere in the Bible that says it's a sin not to eat meat. This person says, well, I think it's okay to eat meat. Okay? Is there anywhere in the Bible that says it's a sin to eat meat? No. So nowhere in the Bible has God said either one of these is a sin. So therefore, both of them choosing to go different ways, neither one are wrong. They're both right. Okay? He keeps going. One man, verse number five, one man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. So here's a guy that says, hey, you know, I really think that this day, you know, um, this day is special, right? Um, and, and so, you know what? Uh, Christmas, let's just use that for an example. There are some people that say, you know, I just, I don't believe that Jesus died on December 25th. And so therefore, I'm not going to celebrate Christmas. Okay. Then there's somebody over here that says, hey, um, I don't believe Jesus died on December 25th either, but I want to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, and so we're going to celebrate it on December 25th, and we're going to start in July. Some of you know who you are, okay? Um, But we're going to celebrate Christmas. Who's wrong? Neither one are wrong. But yet one said, well, I'm not going to. One said, I am going to. And yet neither one are wrong. Is there anything in the Bible that says, uh, don't celebrate Christmas on December 25th? No. Is there anything in the Bible that says, do celebrate Christmas on December 25th? No. 
neither one are wrong. He says, one esteems one day above another. One esteems every day alike. Watch. Let every man be fully persuaded, and these last four words are so important. Let every man be fully persuaded, and what does those last four words say? In his own mind. Right? In his own mind. Landon, come up here for a second. So let's say Landon, he just doesn't want to celebrate Christmas. No presents. No Christmas. I, I like Christmas. I like the lights, you know. I like the, the, the whole time of year and everything. So should I, because I think it's okay, then come over here and try to say, Landon, don't you know that you're wrong for not celebrating Christmas? I mean, th- does the Bible say anywhere that it's wrong to not celebrate Christmas? So why don't you just do what I say then? Why don't you celebrate Christmas like everybody else? Just get in line, man. Get with the program. Everybody else is doing it. You need to do it too. Don't, you're, you're, you're foolish for not doing this. Man, what, what's, what's going on with you? I have my own standards. Oh. <laughs> now, he can say, well, hey, I, I just, I've chosen not to celebrate Christmas. And he's not wrong. Now, though, I am. I am wrong. Why? Because I'm trying to take what I have decided for myself, and now I'm trying to say, if you don't do it the way I think it should be done, you're wrong. Now, wait a minute. No, that's not what he said. He said, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Again, remember, a biblical standard is a rule I impose upon myself to help me follow the biblical principles that I have set up. It's not so that I can impose them all on everybody else. And if, if nobody else is doing them, well, you just must not love God. You just, you, just must hate, you just must hate Jesus if you're not going to celebrate his birth. I mean, what's wrong with you, man? Don't you know? Don't, do you believe that Jesus came and he was born in Bethlehem? Then celebrate Christmas, man. I mean, come on, right? I mean, he says, well, I just, I don't want to do that. He has every right not to, as long as that's what he has set for himself. But for me to now try to impose my standards upon him, that's when I am now wrong. And vice versa. If I'm over here and I'm celebrating Christmas and he comes over to me and he starts saying, man, don't you know this is a pagan holiday and these lights, they symbolize the devil and, and giving presents and Christmas trees. That's, you're worshiping idols and all this kind of stuff. Don't you know you shouldn't be doing this? And I'm like, whoa, buddy. I'm not worshiping the devil, dude. And I'm definitely not bowing down to a tree in my house. I'm, I, I'm, I'm celebrating the, re, the, the birth of Jesus Christ here. So for him now to try to convince me not to do it is just as wrong. Why? Every man must be persuaded in his own mind. Because now... If I'm trying to impose my standards on him and he's trying to impose his standards on me, what are we going back to? We're going back to legalism. If you don't do it my way, the way I think is right, then you must not be right. Because my way has to be right. Because that's the conclusion that I have come to. That's the standard that I have come to. So if you're not doing it my way, you can't be right. Well, that's not what God said. God said two different guys can have two different opinions, and both of them are okay. Thanks, buddy. They're both okay. Again, as long as we are not going against a a black and white sin, again, we're not talking about license here. We're not talking about just going out and living however we choose. No, we're talking about this liberty that we have in Christ, and that liberty gives us freedom to be able to Follow God how we feel that he's leading us. So yes, one person can come and say, well, I just don't eat meat. And one person can say, well, I do eat meat. And one person can say, I'm not going to celebrate Christmas. And one person can say, I am going to celebrate Christmas. And they're all right. They're all right. None of them are wrong. You understand what we're talking about here tonight? 
Okay? So a standard is something, it's a rule that I place upon myself to help me keep my convictions. Now, why should we have standards? Why should we have biblical standards? Okay? Again, we're just kind of asking some questions tonight um, about this idea of biblical standards and developing them. But why should we have biblical standards? Well, they're important because as we develop convictions, we're going to need boundaries to help us keep those convictions. Okay? We're going to have to develop boundaries to help us keep those convictions. If we don't develop boundaries, guess what happens? We're not talking about legalism in developing boundaries. No, we're talking about boundaries that help me to stay within the law of what Christ has. But if I don't develop boundaries, I begin to drift. And guess which way I begin to drift? Toward license. I begin to drift to say, well, anything goes now. No, no, no. Anything doesn't go. We're not talking about anything going, okay? That's not what we want. That's why we have to develop some boundaries. We develop standards to help us keep these convictions that we're learning. Because if we don't, we begin to drift into license. And we want to be careful that these boundaries also don't lead us into legalism and we try to start imposing them on everybody else. Okay? These standards or boundaries are there to help us to live in liberty. Think about this and go back with me to the book of Galatians. Because here's what happens when you don't develop some biblical standards. And I'm going to use Peter and Paul as an example here. When you don't develop biblical standards, you can be swayed any way. If you don't develop biblical standards for yourself, then you're going to be like, oh, well, that, that, that sounds good over there. Let me go over here. And you're going to be over here. For, and you go, oh, well, that sounds good over there. And let me, let me go try that over here. And, and you're just going to be going back and forth. Like Paul, like Paul says in Ephesians, you're going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Right? You've got to develop biblical standards. And please understand, when I say you need to develop biblical standards, I'm not saying this, this is a church, these are church standards. I'm talking about personal biblical standards. In your life, as a Christian, you need to develop personal biblical standards, right? And again, we're going to go through and I'm going to, I'm going to show you how to do these things. Uh, obviously, we're not going to get it tonight, but I want, to, I want to see why this is so important, okay? Watch what happens in Galatians chapter 2, verse number 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, this is Paul writing, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Wow, that's pretty harsh words. Paul says, when Peter came to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed for something. Well, what was Peter to be blamed for? Watch. He says, before that certain came from James or from Jerusalem, he did eat with the Gentiles. So here's Peter. He comes from Jerusalem and he comes up to Antioch and he's with Paul and Barnabas. And, and this church had many Gentile believers in it. And, and Peter, remember, he was he, in Acts chapter 10. Uh, he has the vision uh, of the net coming down and all manner of, of animals in it. And God says, rise and kill Peter. And Peter says, oh, no, Lord, I, I can't do that. And God says, hey, what I have uh, said clean, don't call unclean. And again, Peter gets that, um, that vision to be able to take the gospel to the Gentiles, and now the Gentiles can be saved. And so now Peter comes to Antioch, and there's a church that has a lot of Gentiles up here, and here's Paul, and here's Barnabas, and others. And again, for a Jew, Jews did not eat with Gentiles. Not only did they not eat with Gentiles, but they didn't eat the same food that Gentiles ate. So here Peter comes up and he sees Paul and Barnabas and he sees the Gentile believers and guess what he begins to do? He starts eating with the Gentiles. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. And by the way, and I, I, can't, I can't prove this, but, you know, hey, I'm a good Gentile. Well, I'm a Gentile. Um, but, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, that they probably had some barbecue that day. You know, I'm just, just saying, you know. Whether it was pulled pork, whether it was ribs, or you know whatever it was, I'm sure they had uh, you know they had a barbecue that day. 
And so, you know, Peter's saying, hey, right, I know, I know what God has already told me, and, uh, you know, everything's clean now. And so he's eating with them, he's sitting with them, he's eating with them, everything's cool. Until some people showed up. Some other Jews came from Jerusalem, and he says, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself. So now he's with them, he's eating, and all of a sudden he sees some Jews from Jerusalem, and he's like, uh, sorry guys, you're not, I can't eat with you anymore. Can't eat with you anymore. Why? Well, because these Jews are here, and I, if, I, if, I, if they see me eating with you, they're, they're going to think bad about me. If they, see me, if they see me eating with you, you know, they're going to think I'm a Gentile lover. If they see me eating with you, you know, word's going to get back to Jerusalem and my reputation is going to be shot because if they see me eating with you, it's not going to be good. You don't believe me? Look what he said. He withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And what happens? Because Peter did not have any biblical standards set, He's just wishy-washy. Hey, it's all right if everybody's in. Oh, wait, here's some Jews. Can't do that. When the Jews leave, hey, I'll come back. What's he doing? He's just back and forth. He has no biblical standards yet set. He has no convictions. And watch what happens. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. So not only did Peter cause problems, but now he's causing problems with other of the Jews that are there. They're dissembling. They're having problems with, and so much that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. And Peter, Paul says, Peter, you're wrong. You, you, you thought it was right before, but all of a sudden some Jews showed up that, that were from Jerusalem, and now you think it's wrong. You can't have it both ways, man. Either it's right or it's wrong. Now, which is it? Which is it? Now, again, if Peter would have come and said, hey, guys, you know, um, I, I can sit here and eat with you, but I, again, I have a personal conviction that I'm not going to eat some of that food, but I'll eat some of this other food, but I'll, I'll sit here and eat with you. Not a problem. But Peter had no standards. None. And that's why it was all about whoever he was with. Whoever he's with, that's what I'll do. That's not the way you want to live your life. That's going to get you into trouble. That'll get you into hot water. If you're just, well, whatever everybody else is doing, that's what I'll do. No, you don't want to do that. You've got to set your own biblical convictions. If Peter would have developed a conviction based on Scripture and then developed some standards, it would have been a lot better for him and for those others there in Antioch. If he would have developed a standard and said, hey, you know what? I know. Hey, God told me it's, it's not unclean. God said it's okay to eat. And it's all right. The Gentiles can be saved. They can be saved just as much as the Jews can. And these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so you know what? Hey, I understand that I can eat with you. And when those Jews would have come, Peter would have said, hey, you know what, guys? Come, on, come over here. Hey, come over here. Hey, if you guys want to come over here and eat, you can. If you don't, that's fine. But I'm not just going to leave just because you guys showed up. I'm not going to stop doing it just because you guys showed up. Why? Because it wasn't wrong there was nothing wrong about it peter was afraid of what they would say because of where they came from they came from legalism you've got to keep the law you've got to keep the law of moses don't eat with gentiles don't eat pork don't do this don't do that and when they showed up peter's like hey i better i better get away from them because of what these people might think over here you have to develop your own personal biblical convictions where do we get biblical convictions from? To be able to have right standards, we have to have a foundation for truth. What is the standard for truth? What's the standard for truth? It's the Word of God. God's Word is our standard for truth. Everything else is compared to the Word of God. We're going to, we're going to, I'm going to try to help you develop biblical standards based upon God's word so that no matter where you're at, right? doesn't matter if you're in church, doesn't matter if you're outside of church, doesn't matter if you're at work, doesn't matter wherever you're at, <clears throat> you will have these biblical standards based upon scriptural principles to be able to live freely within the bound of what Christ has set for us. 
But again, we have to understand. We, we think that many times that when we think of the law of Christ, we just think everybody has to look the same, everybody has to be the same, everybody has to say the same. No, 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 no. That's not what we're saying. There is freedom. There is liberty here, right? There's liberty. You can drive a red car. You can drive a black car. You can drive a purple car. You can drive a blue car. You can drive a white car. You're free to choose whatever color car you want to drive. But there's still a law you have to stay in. And as long as you stay within that law, hey, you can drive a stick shift. You can drive a standard. You can uh, drive a coupe. Or you can drive a sedan. You can drive a pickup or you can drive a Honda or a, a minivan. Honda just associates with minivans, right? Um, you know, you, you can drive whatever you want as long as you stay within the boundaries, as long as you stay within the law. And here's what you begin to find. There is liberty. There's a freedom there. A freedom from legalism but also boundaries and protection from license so that we are following what God has said for us and understanding that there can be variety. Thank God for variety. I'm glad that God didn't only make one flower. I mean, like the only one I can name is a rose. That's about it, right? But I know there's a whole lot more, right? I mean, there's all kinds of flowers. And they're beautiful, and thank God for that. I'm glad God made more than one kind of tree. I'm glad that there's apple trees and orange trees and peach trees and all kinds of trees, right? There's variety. That's okay. Where, where we have to understand is, and this is where, here's, here's where, and, and, I'll, and I'll stop with this. Here's why I think so many times we just want to put blanket rules out for everybody. And everybody has to follow all the same rules. And here's why I believe that is so dangerous. And here's why I believe so many churches do it. Is because we're afraid that people are not spiritual enough to understand their liberty and follow Christ as God wants them to follow Christ. They're not spiritual enough to set their own standards And so what are we going to do? We're just going to make standards for everybody. So here's a list of standards. Here's a list of rules. And everybody just follow these. Where's liberty in that? There's no liberty in that. In fact, we'll probably get to this next week. But I've I've read this really interesting quote. And bear with me. (laughs) It's really long. So if I mess it up, forgive me. You ready for it? Rules are for rebels. Think about it. Rules are for rebels. Why do we have the law? Because we don't love God and we don't love one another. We have to set up all these rules because we are rebellious people. I mean, they have, they're trying to come up with new laws all the time. Why? Well, if people would just do what's right, you wouldn't have a need for rules. You wouldn't have a need for law. If you just, if you just did what was right, you say, hey, if, if everybody loved God the way they were supposed to and loved each other the way they were supposed to, what, what law would you have other than love? But the reason why we have to put all these rules is because, what are we doing? We're always pushing the boundaries. We're always pushing the boundaries. We're going to push the boundaries for license. We're going to push the boundaries here. We're going to push the boundaries here. Wait a minute. No, that's not what God wants. He doesn't want us to push the boundaries. He wants us to stay in liberty. Liberty. And so what do we do? We're going to impose rules because we understand that we are rebellious. We're going to impose rules to help me keep the biblical standards that God has given in his word, understanding that, hey, one person can eat meat and one person can choose not to eat meat. And one person can choose to 
celebrate Christmas, and one person can choose not to celebrate Christmas. And one person can choose to drive a Chevy, and one person can choose to drive a Ford. And it's still okay. As long as I stay within the boundaries, as long as I stay within the law that Christ has given me. Okay? Um, and, and we'll look at this uh, as, we, as we go through this. And so, again, um, understand what a, what a standard is, that it's, it's a rule that I'm imposing on myself to help me keep the convictions that I am seeing that God has in his word, these principles, and then I develop a conviction off of it. And then from that conviction, then I develop a standard. So let me just give you a very, very quick example, um, uh, and, and then I'll be done, right? This is just personal, okay? This is a personal standard that I have, okay? I will not be alone with a person of the opposite sex at any time. I won't be alone, right? Um, if somebody comes to my office, uh, you can ask the staff guys. The door is always open um, so that they can hear. They can, they can walk by. The door is going to be open. Most of the time, I don't even like to do that, Okay? Uh, I will not give a, uh, a lady a ride in my car alone. Um, I'll not be just out talking to somebody alone. You say, well, you're not doing anything wrong. You're right, I'm not doing anything wrong. But here's the problem. One, there can be temptation. And two, uh, I don't want my testimony to be hindered. I don't want anybody to be able to bring reproach against the name of Christ for something, okay? So as I have looked in the Bible, right, I've looked in, I've looked in Scripture, I've seen that how important it is to guard my testimony, um, how important, and by the way, this is not just for me, I believe this should be for every man, we ought to guard our testimony, okay? Um, and, and how important it is to, um, to want to be above reproach, right? I mean, especially as a preacher, the Bible says a preacher is supposed to be blameless, Right? Um, and so I want to guard my testimony. I want to keep above reproach. And so I have a conviction of this. And so I have set a standard for myself. This is my standard. Okay? I'm, not a, I'm not putting this on anybody else. I'm not saying if you do this, you're wrong. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying this is my standard. This is for me to help me to make sure that I don't go into license or I don't go beyond the boundary that is there, I will not be alone with a woman of the opposite, or with a, a, a person of the opposite sex. I'm not going to be in a car. I'm not going to be in a home. I'm not going to be in my office. I'm just not going to do that because I want to keep my testimony above reproach. Okay? That is, that is a standard that I have set for myself. Now, does it, the Bible say, the, is there anywhere in the Bible that says, if you are alone with a woman, it is sin? No. no. There's nowhere that it says that. So, could I be alone with a woman without sinning? Yes, absolutely. Very well could. But I just don't want to go there. I just don't want to go there. As, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a Christian, I want to keep my name above reproach. I don't want to give place to the devil. I don't want to give opportunity for temptation, and so I'm just not going to do it. That's me. But now for me to say, okay, every man in this church, you have to set a standard that you cannot be alone with a woman of the, with someone of the opposite sex. You can't be alone with anybody that's not your wife. You can't be alone with anybody like that. I can't do that. Can't do that. Why? Because you have to set your own standards. I'm setting my standards. I'm setting, as I study Scripture and I see scriptural principles, and I've come to a conviction on this, and hey, this is just what I'm going to do. Now, you don't have to do that, right? Please understand, I'm not saying that, I'm not giving you my standards that everybody says, oh, this is pastor standard. Everybody has to follow it. Not at all. I'm not going to do that, okay? I think it's wise. Um, I think, was it, um, was it Vice President Pence, I believe, had set that sta- same standard for himself, that same conviction, he w- and he got mocked for it, made fun of it, right? But guess what? 
You can't find any dirt on him on, on, on affairs and things like this, like you can a lot of other guys. Right? So developing personal standards as we find them, as we find scriptural principles, we come to a conviction on it. We say, hey, I believe this, and so therefore I'm going to develop something to help me to stay within the boundary. Right? Stay within that boundary. Right? Um, and so, I, I, again, we're going we're gonna to keep going through this, and uh, I hope it will answer some questions for you as you go through. Uh, maybe I've created a lot more questions, but uh, we'll go through this together. I hope that it will be a help and a blessing to you, uh, and just helping us to understand that we have that liberty in Christ. Okay? Liberty is not legalism. Liberty is not license. But we do have liberty in Christ, and that liberty is freeing. It is such freedom in Christ as long as we stay within the boundaries that he's set for us, right? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word today. And uh, Father, thank you for the liberty that we have in Christ. And um, Lord, that we would understand that this liberty that we have is not to be used for the flesh. Lord, it doesn't give us a license just to do whatever we want. Lord, it does give us freedom to, to follow you how you lead us. We're not following a set of rules that a, a man has made or a denomination has made, but as we follow you and you lead us, we come to convictions and see these scriptural principles and we develop biblical standards to help us to follow you. And uh, Father, I pray that you just, uh, Lord, just help us during this time. Help me uh, to be able to teach this and explain it well. Uh, Lord, help our folks to be able to understand how important this is uh, to develop these, these standards in their lives so to keep us within the bounds of freedom that we have in Jesus Christ and uh, enjoy the life that you have given to us, not in license, uh, but, Lord, in liberty. And so, Father, I pray you'd help us with this. And, uh, Lord, just work in our hearts. I wonder tonight, maybe just with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're not going to stand or anything, but tonight, as the, just the piano just plays through a verse or two of invitation, maybe God has spoken to your heart about something. 